0: Hi, it's Sherry. Welcome to season two. This is episode three in season two. This is sort of the first time I've been able to sit down and do a intro separate from the conversation. I didn't anticipate being able to do season two because I didn't think I still had a channel that was live on Apple and came to find out that that was Not the case. It is still live. I just wasn't sure that I had the time or the energy to dedicate to another season. It just kept coming up for me that it was still very important to me to share women's stories in their own voices. And with everything going on in the world right now, it's amazing. People... (laughs) have free time and have time to be able to schedule an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation. So I'm incredibly happy about that. And I'm having some guests come back for interviews just to check up on where they are now from where they were when they were with me on season one. Several new people are on the horizon as well. I'm just so thankful and feeling so blessed to have so many incredible women say yes and be willing to share bits and pieces of themselves that maybe push them outside their boundaries. The two ladies today, because there are two guests, Morgan and Shauna, this was my first sort of introduction in person or over the interwebs to both of them. Now, Morgan, I've been following for many years, and I've just always been intrigued by watching her sort of grow up a little bit as a woman on Instagram. And we have a conversation about how she started in her basement and where she ended up today. And I just am so grateful that they both were so willing to share their stories about how they came to be together, the path that they were on that led them to this particular point in their lives, that there are things there that I think other people, other women, especially might find good to know might find interesting to learn. And these two are both so gracious with their sharing, not always, was it easy, or is it easy or pleasant, and they talk about, you know, some of that too. So just know that there is conversations about mental health, about sexuality, any of those could be a trigger for you. I want you to know that right up front. But I think that you will find that this conversation that we have is incredibly, I found it incredibly heartwarming, and just honest, and real. And I hope that you find that it's useful on some level for you. Because as Morgan and I both learned as we were speaking, that sharing our stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that, if it helps one person, that it was worth all of the bullshit that we had to go through to get to that point. It really is some truth here and sharing of, you know, heart and soul. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. And it's a little long, but I didn't want to split it up. So happy podcast day. Hi, everyone. Sherry here with Titanium Blonde Talks. And joining me today is Morgan and Shauna. What I want to tell you is, is that I started following Morgan back in her yoga in her basement days. So that's been a while and I've watched her grow and change over the years and turn into this incredible human. And Shauna, I first knew as babe. (laughs) (laughs) and how this whole progression happened i had some suspicions long before babe came on the scene (laughs) i saw morgan be happy be there was a joy there that I didn't see before in a sense of calmness that was incredible. And so I know that she's been doing a lot of work on herself, which I celebrate her for doing that because it's hard fucking work to do people. Trust me. And she's doing it at such a younger age. I had to wait till I was 48 to start that work and it sucked. So I salute you for that, Morgan. That's incredible. And Sean, I'm so glad to know you besides the name. Babe. Me too. Me too. <laughs>
1: So happy to be. Although him. babe is predominantly my name.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I mean it's a great nickname, but it's nice to know that you have an uh, you know, like a given name besides yeah. just babe. <laughs> so Morgan I know you've been on this journey and I know that where you started is not where you are today and I know you have some hopes and dreams about where you'd like to be going forward did you ever think when you started your yoga in your basement that you would be at the place where you are today
2: absolutely not that's actually something I reflect on all the time just either between us or With friends, and I'm like, oh my goodness! When I first started yoga, you know, it was coming off of ten years of competitive swimming. Right. Um, I I my Instagram was solely used for like friends and pictures of your food and your pets. You know. And when I started yoga, I hated it. It was you know I was so bored. I was like, I didn't get a workout in. I didn't sweat. And the way that it's like progressed and shown up in my life is so radically different than I ever would have dreamed when I took my very first yoga class. And it just kind of blows my mind. I'm like all the opportunities that just kind of fell into my lap from Instagram, I don't think I ever in a million years would have thought would come about. And every day I I mostly for the, for the most part, just pinch myself. I'm like, Is this real life? (laughs) Doesn't feel like real life.
0: And I know that you, I mean, and you have self admitted that you're an introvert. So, how does that explain to me or share more with how do you? It's like you have to have two different lives, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you've got your space where you go to be yourself and retreat and live your life, but then you've got that public persona you know i mean the thing that is so interesting to me is how much expectation there is of other people that you should be the way they think you should be yeah. that you yeah. should fulfill their expectations they want to know what's going on in your life because they're so wrapped up in your life because they've got no fucking life well, and so my my th- and, and i've seen some of the horrible awful comments that have been made on your page. I've responded to some of them on occasion because I try not to do that because I try and be an adult. But I <laughs> <see the> same- <laughs> And at my age, I mean, you know, I should be an adult by now, but I refuse to accept that title. But I just think that there are so many people out there, they take out their pain on other people yeah. because they do not have the emotional intelligence to be able to step back and go, wait a minute. Maybe I should worry about what's going on here instead of what's going on there.
2: I also, to that point, think a lot of it has to do with maybe a fear of people wanting to change that they're so they've been so comfortable for so long and their own rhythm of life that watching someone else step out and do something scary, I think can sometimes like bring up stuff in your own life that can, you know, be a trigger or make you want to react that way. So it's always like unsurfacing those shadow areas of your own life when you watch someone else kind of do that hard stuff that maybe, maybe, you know, you've been wanting to do. And I think that also probably has a lot to do with how some people react or
0: respond on my Instagram. So well, and I think that there are a lot of unhappy lonely people out there some of them live in denial i mean mm-hmm. i've been there done that through you know two marriages and i know how hard it is and we i've studied habit habit that happens in the brain which then becomes habits in how we move and hold our bodies and the more i study the brain and the central nervous system and the connection to the rest of the body and the muscular system mm-hmm. it explains so much and these Bodies house every experience. They do. Every accident, every surgery, every bump, bruise, emotional wound, and anybody who has it doesn't matter whether your habits are healthy or not they're known entities yeah. so to step outside of that habitual pattern of motion of belief whatever it is is very scary it is even though even though it may be better for you it's really scary and i've been teaching yoga for 18 years practicing for 27 wow i watch i watch people walk through the door and i know they're not living in their body they're over here they're behind themselves because it's too painful to be here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why I applaud you for the work that I know that you have done and how hard it's been and how scary it's probably been.
2: Very scary. (laughs) Yes. Especially this last few years, like Probably the most scary thing that I've ever done, but most rewarding.
0: But I don't know. I mean, you probably notice it, Shauna, but I see the difference in your face. I hear it in your voice. I see it in how you move. It's, you're just, it's, I don't know. I don't have the words for it, but there's a difference there. (laughs) So... I, think, I hope you see that.
2: I think sometimes it's hard to see it on a day to day basis because you are yes. you, and like we are actually just talking about this the other day. Change, whether it's like you know energetically or physically, can sometimes be hard to see because you you know, are with yourself every single day. But I actually, I was going through my YouTube channel the other day, just because that's like, you know, how I upload all my videos from my app. And I was watching some videos I'd uploaded from like two and a half, three years ago.
0: Isn't and that wild? My
2: whole <laughs> yeah, my whole countenance and my voice. I was just like, I played it and I looked at Shauna and I was like, I don't even sound like myself. Like there's no energy or passion or life in like my voice or my eyes. And so that was kind of like the first time I actually was like, wow, like, wow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, the thing that's interesting to me is that I'm so much older than you two, that I didn't have to grow up in the the social media world. Mm -hmm. I screwed up. I made mistakes. I I still do that. I mean, we as, as humans, if you're not doing that, I don't think you're alive. So the thing is, is that I'm really happy that the biggest fuck-ups that I had, nobody got to witness <laughs> except, you know, like not my family there. or, you know, because there was some scary ass shit going on there. For me, I think that's incredibly brave that you are, you have the capacity to actually share that. And I'm gonna make an assumption here that the reason that you've been doing that is because if it helps one person, it makes everything that you've been through worth it.
2: It's like you took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) that's what I I always say. I'm like, if if what I post can help just one person or put a smile on the face of one person or make someone feel like they're not alone, then I feel like what I'm doing on Instagram is it makes it all worth it. It makes everything else, all the other crap. Like completely worth it.
0: So Shauna, let me ask you this. When did you, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but when did you come out? Uh, So I came
1: out when I was 14 years old. I went to an all-girls Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could have a whole podcast just about Catholic No, <laughs> so I actually, I grew up in Catholic schools my entire life. I was a basketball player, so I kind of followed where basketball took me and it happened to land me in the Catholic school system. I wouldn't have changed it for the world though because what happened when I was a child, I, I knew I knew I was different before I knew what gay was. I, I genuinely didn't know about anything about sexuality or anything. I, I, I learned off books and my own curiosities, but I had no answers for why I felt differently than others. Girls were changing. Yeah, yeah go ahead.
0: Because Catholicism does not do anything with helping you understand sexuality Or not at all. (laughs) Not at all.
1: all. I learned our (laughs) our curiosity
0: about it. They're like, no, no, we just don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, But anyway, so I figured out, like, really, really young, that I was different. I really enjoyed hanging out with the guys a lot more than the girls. I wasn't chasing the guys around on the recess uh, field. I was beating them in basketball. So (laughs) there was just a different uh, personality that I had that I, I didn't see it reflected anyone else around me. So I just knew I was different. When I got a little older, to be honest, I can't remember learning about sexualities. I I don't remember learning about, oh man, that clicks. That's what I feel. I don't remember that moment. But I do, um, funnily enough, I came out because, uh, to my mom, because Christina Aguilera was on the radio (laughs) talking about uh, her being bisexual. And that was a big thing back then, you know. Yes, famous people to come out and say something any, anywhere near that was was uh, daring. I really resonated with her before she said that she was cute. Um, <laughs> after she said that, I was like, "Huh, you know, maybe maybe I can just." dip my toe in the water here. So I asked my mom how she felt about Christina Aguilera being bi, just to see her reaction. It went pretty well. So that's how I came out to my mom. <laughs> I- well,
0: you know, I, that's such a great story. And I know that, Morgan, you had a little bit more work to do with your family around all of this. Yes. And I know that your, your religion that you were raised in, you know, I figured out at 13 that organized religion was a bunch of horseshit. <laughs> You man, Um, you are than me. (laughs) Well, you know, and I and I suspected it earlier than that. But my problem was, I mean, we were we were Methodist. Was raised in the Methodist church. Was a good, you know, Danish girl. We went to church for all the holidays. I was an acolyte. I did the, you know, youth groups, and I started seeing and recognizing when I was about ten the hypocrisy. An organized religion and the hypocrisy of the people in the community who went to church and then when they were out in the world the rest of the week were assholes. And they used their religion as a justification or to belittle or segregate people or to create an us versus them mentality. And I was like, you know, I'm only 10, but that really doesn't work for me. And at 13, I finally looked at my mom and I said, I'm not ever going back to church. Don't wow. make me, don't ask me, I'm not going. Wow. We moved when I was um 15 from where I'd grown up on the same street that was my great-grandfather's farm that my mother grew up on. We moved from that to um a different city to Eugene in Oregon. Wow. And I knew nobody, so I got involved with campus life thinking that might help and that took me about 4 months and um I met a guy who taught me all about sex drugs and rock and roll and I was like I I gave it another chance. It didn't work for me. I'm more interested in this over here. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. So, you know, I understand why people need... Some people need that thing, that space, that sense of direction, that sense of belonging. But I am a person, I can't stand someone to tell me what I should think, feel, believe, act like, look like, behave like. I've been told all my life that I'm too much this, too little that. I'm too tall. I'm too big. I'm too this. I'm too that. And it's like, you know what? I can't shrink. I'm almost six foot tall. I I can't make myself any smaller and I can't take up any less room. And I don't want to. And I don't want to shut up either you can't silence me because i'm a woman and it's not okay i mean i've worked in technology which is the boys club since the 80s Mm -hmm. and so you know i just do. And people, oh, tell me about the glass ceiling. And I'm like, what ceiling? Or let's talk about the box. And I'm like, what box? I just do what I got to do to earn a living, to take care of my kid, to you know do whatever it is. But it's so interesting that you two came from both very strong and restrictive religious backgrounds, the process. So Shauna, that ended up being a a positive way for you to come out. And do you feel like that you maybe had some speed bumps, but that that really set the tone for being able to move forward in your life or so surprisingly, I think I was really
1: lucky to be at an all girls Catholic school. I know that sounds crazy, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I will say that I think when boys and girls are mixed at a young age, uh, the judgments and the bullying and the other things are definitely amplified. Mm-hmm. There's such sorry, I keep blocking. Um it's okay. a longing to like belong like in a group like I talk with my about. hands. So, so I get it. It's all right. Um, You have to agree with what others agree with disagree with what others
0: disagree with. And when I was at so, Shauna, you were talking about being at a Catholic girls' school and the difference between being in an all-girls school and then being with boys and girls and how all of that can really affect what goes on between kids and what happens yeah, with that.
1: Definitely. I think that when you have just a lot of girls without the influence of boys, they tend to be more themselves. They tend to be, you know, messy hair, sweatpants on. You know, you just look rough at school, but you're getting along. You're having a great time because you're with your girlfriends all day versus competing for the attention of the boys, which normally causes so much friction that I didn't have to deal with any of that in high school, which was great. So, coming out was definitely a more pleasurable experience than most people experience, but I let people get to know me the first year of high school, um, I got to know, you know, my little squads, my little groups of people that I got along with. Being a basketball player helped a lot because yeah. it helped me to kind of be in the forefront of, of school and get to know more people. And then when I came out, everybody was like, I already knew that. <laughs> so, you you know, <laughs> anticlimactic because uh, I guess I was pretty obvious even with my long hair and my skirts on. Yeah, everybody pretty much knew and they expected it. So it wasn't really that, that bad for me. Now I did lose a few friends. Um, the friends that I did lose didn't go to school with me they went to uh, Christian schools and uh, that's not a hit at Christians that's just my experience in my my life with Christians is uh, I seem to face a lot more issues with the Christian versus Catholics for whatever reason but all yeah. of eyes religion if I walk into any church I mean yeah all eyes go straight to me <laughs> they're either figuring out if I'm a teenage boy or I'm a lesbian
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what my thing is is like why do you need to label someone. I think that when you get to know somebody, and I think that you had the gift of being able to know at a young age that you were different. And so you just were who you are. And I think that that comes through. And I think that's why people said to you, yeah, we already knew that. Because that's just who you were, right? You had the clarity at a young age to know who you were, unlike some of us who flailed around for many years trying to figure out who the fuck we were. It's one of those things where that's my problem with organized religion. Is that they do it to separate. They do it because if you don't look, act, do, speak, live like I do, then you're wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a
0: very, it's a very narrow way of living, and they use that as a way to treat people poorly, and yet to say that they're religious, or to say that they do good things because they're religious. And it's like you don't get to have it both ways. It's either all the way across the board in your life, or you have to admit the fact that you don't want to really live the whole thing because that's just not who you are. And that's great. You do you, baby. Knock yourself out. But I just want you to be honest about it.
1: Yep. Yeah. My thing is, is I think that they're influenced. It's a, it's a peer influence issue where they want to belong to a group and church is a great place to go for that. And I think that when you grow up in a church, especially you get to know those families, you get to know you know people around you and that's that's your group. And unfortunately, I think over time that peer pressure to be judgmental and to yep. lay down lines that allow you to feel above others. That definitely comes to surface eventually. And I don't want to put a blanket statement over all religious folk and say that this is how it is because it's not. Um, no. I, I think the few that do act that way definitely uh, make it hard for the rest of them. But I do I do think that organized religion absolutely
0: sets up the environment uh, for that to be more prominent. For sure. We learn what's modeled for us, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. I, I can remember I was probably, oh, man. 12 maybe. And I my mom put me in ballet at 4. I took from the same studio until we moved when I was 15. We started to go to a new we decided to go to a new church, a church that our neighbors, our next door neighbors went to. Nice people, but towards the end of the service, the pastor said that we weren't allowed to be involved with anyone who was black, who was Oriental. Whoa. I mean, there were a lot of, and I looked at my mother and I said, does this mean I can't go and take ballet anymore? Because that was my first exposure to gay people because of all of the men who were partners for the Adagio dancers, the majority of them were gay and mm-hmm. and very out and, you know, proud about it. And that was in the 70s. So and my mom was like, be quiet, Sherry. You know, we'll talk about this when we get home. And so, <laughs> You know, and my mom's like, now we can talk about this in the car and we can talk about this in the house, but you don't talk about it with the neighbors next door. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I just want to hang out with the gays, mom. (laughs) Well, and I mean, and there were, there were black people there and, and it was, it's so interesting. And I mean, I was never raised with any kind of bias like that. I mean, my parents are not My parents are not as emotional, emotionally intelligent as I am, and I'm not as emotionally intelligent as my daughter is. And I hope that my granddaughter is even further along than all of us. But that was just not how I was raised. And I only remember my dad worked for the phone company for many years. At one point in time, he was in management, and he had to. They had. That's when they were coming out in the '70s with you had to hire so many women, you had to hire so many people of color. And he said the only thing that bothers me is. That in order to meet those quotas, I have to hire someone who's not necessarily as qualified for the job. So that means that everyone else along the line has to pick up the slack because that person, in order to meet my quota, doesn't necessarily meet the requirements for the job. And that was the only thing I ever heard my father say about something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was never about that he he didn't like black people. You know, none of that. But just that that was the position that he was in. I have to either hire a woman or a you know a Person of color, which they just called black people at that particular point in time, but it was just an interesting thing. I look at that and I think about how easy it is for all of us until we are more aware of our thoughts and our actions to label people. Right? I can put you in this box because then I know how to deal with you.
2: Yeah, same.
0: And I need you to. I need you to meet that criteria so that it makes it okay for me to be able to be in your presence or does that make sense
2: oh absolutely it's
0: called being in the box have you ever heard of that oh well and i have never been a person yeah i've never been a person that's lived in the box i I still look around and go what box i I don't understand that
1: but it's um well what i mean by that is you look for actions to like to reaffirm your opinion of that person so whatever action that other person takes that makes you feel justified in your opinion of them that's what you're looking for and you ignore all the other things correct um yeah.
0: yeah. And it's just, it's one of those things where I'm just like, you know, I have a wildly diverse group of people that I'm friends with. In high school, one of my best friends was Mormon. And, and they, Morgans have great programs for kids in their church, just like the Catholics, right? They offer sports programs and there's dances and there's things to do that keep kids engaged. And I said, listen, I adore you. I love your family. I want to spend time with you. I'm happy to go to the church and play volleyball or go to the dances but I don't want anybody to try and make me believe what you believe or to follow your you know your path or your religion or whatever it is and as long as that's that doesn't happen then we can be the best of friends and we were and so it's just so interesting to me that I just that's never been the space that I've ridden in and so to see some of what you've gone through Morgan it's just like I don't understand that I don't
2: yeah yeah (laughs)
1: To be honest, even coming from a Catholic background, I don't
2: understand it. It's (laughs) It's all honesty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's a really, it's a really weird thing. I was thinking though, like going back to where you were saying at such a young age, you were able to like think for yourself. And I think that's been something that I've always struggled with. So for me, you know, now just starting to really think for myself at almost 30 years old, um, because I am very much so the person that wants to be told what to do. And how to do it? I on the enneagram, I'm like the peacemaker. I'm just like, just please tell me, you know, what you need from me, what you would like me to do. And so, that being said, when I was when I was younger, and and the oldest, you know, I was the, gonna say
0: you're the oldest daughter, correct?
2: The oldest of seven siblings, so right. And, Furthermore, I just really wanted to play that role of being like the perfect oldest child, doing what I needed to do to set a good example, a good Christian example, whatever, for my younger siblings. Um, and so in that respect, I just literally lived and breathed whatever the church was teaching me, whatever, you know, I was reading in my Bible, doing what I could to you know, make sure I was like representing my parents in a way that was worthy of upholding our family name or you know there's just so many things that went into how I was raised and I think I like I carried that with me for so long and it wasn't until these major life events started happening to me which if in Shauna's perspective were quite normal like a divorce for me that was life altering for her in her life she's already experienced with her parents a few of those 10 total yeah (laughs) Oh this my show. gosh, Kendall. I thought I was bad. <laughs> a- I always joke, oh, with you guys are in a race, gonna win. <laughs> you know. So, like, for her, that's just you know another day in the life. For me, working through a divorce was one of the most life altering, challenging moments up to that point in my life. It's something that wasn't discussed. You called it the D word. Divorce was not spoken of. And so for something like that to happen to me and then it it really caused me to have to think for myself because I was one of very few people And that time in my life that had stepped out of, you know, that the the thought process of organized religion and how we had been raised and really made a decision for me and no one but me. And that was the first time I had ever done that.
0: That's scary as shit, isn't it? It is,
2: it is. But honestly, I think it was just a snowball effect to like where I am now. And I'm so thankful. I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. I look back and I'm like, I am so thankful that despite what everyone was saying and all the opinions swirling around me that I just stuck to my guns and did it. Because it, I mean, well, look who I'm sitting next to right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the thing for me is that I am the oldest and the only daughter. Mm -hmm. My father is German and Danish. My mother is English and a little bit of Irish. And so my dad is, you're a girl. You're going to dress like a girl. You're going to look like a girl. You're going (laughs) to act like a girl. And I was three, I'm three years older than my, the first brother and seven years older than my youngest brother. And so I, I was a perfectionist. If I'm just perfect, everyone will love me. Mm -hmm. If I do all the right things, if I keep everyone happy, if I work hard, if I do all of the things that I'm supposed to do, then I'll fit in. And I never felt like I fit in. Never. And my mom was always, you know, she had two little boys and she was like, you know, you need to make decisions and your dad and i will be to support you but you need to be making your own decisions and because i was tall at 12 nobody believed i was 12. they all thought i was older than that at 16 i could buy alcohol because i looked like i was 21 right and (laughs) i was everybody's friend oh sherry we're having a party (laughs) and i but i was never a big drinker I and I've never been an addictive person that like when I started smoking weed in the 70s, you know, it was like it was it was not that big a deal to me. I don't need to have a drink or a toke to relax or be, I like to be around people. I like to talk to people. I like to find out why they do what they do and how they end up where they are. And people are like, God, you're so noisy. And I'm just like, I'm curious. I'm curious about how people end up where they are. How did you get there, right? What happened happened along the way? That must've been (laughs) scary. Wasn't that fun? Didn't you have a good time? So stuff like that. And I mean, sometimes people look at me and go, you're kind of scary. (laughs) <laughs> and, so, and then other people lean in and go, this is really fun. Can we do it more? Yes, yes, we can. Stuff like that to me is like, I've always been so curious and I've always felt other. I've always felt like I'm sort of on the outside looking in. And even in my own family, right? I'm the only one who's been divorced. I married someone that I met when I was 15. Yeah, I got, We got pregnant because he wanted to have kids young. And he told me when I was four months pregnant, I don't think I love you anymore. I don't want to be married. We should put the baby up for adoption. And I went, it's a little fucking late for that. (laughs) I moved home. My dad came and picked me up when I was six months pregnant, when he left me with no car, no money, no nothing. And we had moved away from family and everything. So I have been forever behind the eight ball. And my parents have been great, but there's a lot of times where there's been comments made, Mm -hmm. things that have happened in my life over time, and I have always felt judged, like Mm -hmm. I never quite measure up. And I finally realized at 48 that I can't make everybody happy, and trying to do it meant I was miserable. My entire life, I picked men in my life that treated me the way I was brought up to believe that I deserved to be treated, mm. right? And so, you know, and now I'm going to be 60 in on May, in May 26th, and I look back and I think, boy, it took me a really long time to get here. And I'm always so curious about people that are younger, who find their heart, who find their voice, who find the capacity to be able to step forward and go, this is against everything I've learned, this is going to throw me out into the ocean without a boat, without a life jacket, without everything. And I'm going to have to find my way. And I am just so impressed by that. And the fact that you made it there at at an age that, gosh, sometimes I wish I could have made it there, but I had to go through everything I did to get to the point of where I am Mm -hmm. today. But I just, it's because everything is set up against us, especially as women, Mm -hmm. especially as for you guys, as women who do not fit, the traditional role of what a female is supposed to do, look like, act like, love like, you know, all of those things. And it's like, you know, I'm tired of all of these years of still fighting about the fact that I want to own my own vagina. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, religious people, whatever it is, to tell me what I can do with vagina. One, I like sex. Okay, I'm not going to apologize for that. Let me let let's. I'm going to qualify that. I like good sex. If I want to have a baby or not. That's my responsibility to make the decision, not you. Yes. And it's not your responsibility to tell me that I need to follow your rules in order to be a good person. I'm sorry. (laughs) Can you repeat that? I can't hear that. Um, We're going to have to end this conversation. Those are the kinds of things that when, and when people make the decision to not have children, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have children. I'm great with kids. I love them. I'm childlike. I think that's why I like to be around kids. I have more fun sometimes with kids than I do with grownups, but we had sort of a scare and I thought I was pregnant and then I wasn't. And then it was like, you know, I kind of want a kid. After all is said and done and everything that's gone on, I, I couldn't have special ordered a more perfect child for me. Aww. And, you know, we've had our issues and there's been a lot of familial pressure and interference because we've lived We lived with my parents till she was eight. We've always lived in the same community as all of my family. So there's been a lot of stuff. She's an incredible human being. She's got her own stuff. I made a fuckload of mistakes as a parent. We all do because there's no manual that comes with parenting, right? You wake up every day and go, I'm going to do the best I can today. And some days all that is, is putting on clean underwear (laughs) or not. Maybe you don't want to wear underwear. (laughs) you know what's so funny is my granddaughter so she's a riot so i go over because every wednesday when her mom goes to work i go over and my daughter goes gets finished getting ready and goes to work went over there and she was laying in her mom's bed listening to her headphones watching something on the iPad with her nightgown on with her nightgown up and no panties on. And I said, lovey, that's quite a view you have going on there this morning. (laughs) And my daughter comes out and she goes, mom, she doesn't want to wear underwear. And she goes, you know, Momo, because my, my name that she calls me is Mormor, which is grandma in Danish, but it got shortened to Momo when she was little. So there was confusion sometimes between Momo and mama. I got called mama, Momo, doesn't matter. Aww. And she's like, Momo, Tessie tells me that I have to wear underwear when I go to bed at night. Tessie is one of my nieces. And I said, Levy, you are the one who gets to decide what happens with your body. No one gets to tell you what you get to do with your body. If you don't want to wear panties, don't wear panties. And she Aww. says, well, Momo, you don't wear panties. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, I, I (laughs) I just look at stuff like that, and I just hope that I can be the touchstone for her, that Shauna, if she came to me at 10 or 8 or whatever it was and said, Momo, I like girls, and I'd say, well, lovey, that's great. Should we have a conversation about that? Do you want to talk about it? Or do you feel okay? That that I can come from a point of being able to have as open a mind and that she understands that I love her mm. no matter what she does, no matter what choices she makes, that she's going to make mistakes, and that my only desire is that hopefully she learns from them maybe it takes four or five doing the same mistake over to learn from it, but that you at least learn something that can somehow make you be better and not for anybody else, but just for yourself. Right. So I can't imagine Morgan the conversation that you had to have with your parents with all of this.
2: Yeah, it was um, I I actually ended up writing them a letter because they well they don't live in Kentucky they live right. west in Scottsdale Arizona so it was I'm definitely more more prone to writing than I am to speaking especially when it has to do with something like important I, I tend to get my thoughts out better on paper and, and so-
0: emotional that's highly emotional
2: yeah. And so I actually spent a few months writing it and revising it and sitting on it and thinking about it. (laughs) And, And I sent it to them. And, you know, I told them in the letter, I was like, please, before you read this, like, make sure you're in a spot where you can just sit and digest it. It's a lot of information. And, you know, I don't want it to just blindside you. And I was like, please don't feel rushed to respond. Take a few days, take a week, whatever. And and it was a lot for them to digest. There was there was many conversations, many tears before we got to the spot where we are now. And there's still a a a difference in beliefs. That that still remains. And I'm not sure if that will ever go away. But we have gotten to a place where, you know, Shauna was at my family's for Thanksgiving. And you know, if we would food was incredible.
0: <laughs> so so let me ask you this, Shauna, because I was curious. I know when you posted this, I was like, Oh, this is I'm so curious to know, was there trepidation that you had before going to do that? Or did you just sort of come Uh from a place of grace and love and I'm just going to go there and do the best I can and whatever happens, happens.
1: Man, that's a loaded question.
2: It's uh, Well, to preface it, you have already met. So she had actually met my parents a few months before Thanksgiving because we were at a family reunion. So she briefly met them at like a huge family reunion. Okay. Last summer. That was a very... Okay. Time she met them, but honestly, I feel like it wasn't a great representation on either of our sides because it was a family reunion. So it was kind of more just like you know, all right, like here she is, and but they didn't really get a chance to know each other. So Thanksgiving was kind of like the first time you know you got to actually spend time with my whole family. Right. We were there for almost a week and really like you know get to know them.
1: And uh I definitely had some nerves going into it. Well, that would make you human. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think
2: honestly though.
1: It would have been the same nerves if I were a man. I just wanted them to like me. (laughs) I really want them to see how much I love and care about their daughter and how much I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Um, You know, I wanted to make sure that they understood that, like, I am here and I am here to be everything that I hope that you wanted for your daughter besides my genitals. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and that's But outside of that. Like, I just wanted to I really wanted them to see who I was. And my nerves and things definitely took over a bit, and it and it definitely got me all riled up. Like I hope I'm my best self. And I've I, more of my past relationships than I have been. Well, let me rephrase that. Most of my past relationships, the parents weren't okay with it. I've only dated two people that their parents. We're, we're, totally okay. I'd never had anything said or anything done. Um, so I was used to that aspect. That doesn't bother me at all. I know that, you know, obviously difference in beliefs, that's okay. That's totally okay with me. And I will always be okay with people believing what they want, as long as it, doesn't affect the way they treat me that's mm-hmm. I think that's where I draw the line is easy I, I love having conversations with people I you can tell me all day that you don't agree with my lifestyle and you can tell me all day like what your beliefs are on that but if you then start treating me a certain way that's where I have an issue with it so her parents were incredible they were amazing. Oh, good. They were good. So sweet to me, so welcoming. I felt like part of the family when I was there. There was never anything weird, or they never said anything. It, it was it was really nice. It was really nice, and my nerves settled because I know a lot of her siblings. I got them right. because we were friends prior to dating, so I got around right. her family when they would come in town. I got to know them on a different level. So her siblings have helped me tremendously. I'm well, they're 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 a pretty tight group. Yeah, they are. They are, and they welcomed me in (laughs) like it was nothing. I mean, her siblings have been great through all of this, and I'm I'm pretty close to a few of them, so that definitely helped on Thanksgiving for sure. Going there and just
0: well, it wasn't like you were walking into you know I'm going into the danger zone that you actually had. Yeah, and I just think that at the deepest heart of any parent is that you want your child to be happy. You want your child to be well loved you want your child to feel good about themselves and i think that that doesn't i mean while everybody has their own choice it doesn't matter what parts you have if someone loves you and they treat you well and you can see in your child's face in in how they act and how they speak that they're happy that they feel good you know what that's 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 the Mm -hmm. ultimate that i could ever ask for as a mother right that that my my daughter is happy
2: well, and I think that's sometimes why it takes time. Like, you know, so many people, obviously, since I've come out on my social media and stuff, have asked, like, well, well, when did you notice a difference in your parents? Well, when, when do you think my parents might, you know, change their mind or whatever? And I'm like, honestly, I think in any situation, and, and for some people maybe never and that's and that's terrible and my heart goes out to those people but yeah. in my case like I think for the most part it's going to be time and it's still going to be time because we still have hard conversations with my parents and there's still moments where comments are said and they just don't sit right and I'm like at the end of the day the best thing that we can do is keep living our most authentic happiest lives and hope that in turn like you said they will see the joy on my face they will see that their daughter is living her best life and find a peace or a comfort in that that you know she's being her most authentic self and that's like that's what i hope for because yeah we certainly i still have really hard conversations with my parents and things are still said that just kind of like i'm like ouch like that wasn't necessary and and yes like we had a great time at thanksgiving and they have come so far but there's still so much work to be done
0: i truly think that the more you guys live in the love that you have and the happiness that you create in your home, in your life, that just living that way, your parents may never agree with it. But I think, like you said, if it gives them some sense of peace, yes, some sense of knowing that you are in a space that's good that they'll be able to resolve that for themselves at some point in time and and maybe maybe not ever completely but and they may not ever be able to admit that to you either that's one of the one things i had to tell my daughter about her father because she stopped seeing him when she was 10 and i said you know what sweetie you may never get the response or the reaction or the things that you need from him, that Mm -hmm. you just have to let yourself let go of that and just be happy with what you do have in your life. Because then that means that you don't have to rely on someone else to validate you or to make you feel loved or any of that, that you have all that you need, knowing that the people who love you, love you dearly, and that everything else is you know, it's just one more thing that you get to learn a lot about on the the, the road, right? Yeah. I'm so grateful that you guys have been so honest with all of this because I just think that it is, it's not talked about necessarily always in a positive way in a broader space. And the fact that you keep having that dialogue with your parents, that at least there's an open dialogue there. But when people say to you, well, when are my parents going to be okay with it? And what can I... And it's like, you know what? Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. There's no, I, I can't give you the, the rule book. There's no rule book for this. Yeah. There's, there's no rule book for life, right? Sometimes you got to put both hands on your ass and hope that you don't get road burn as you're moving down the street. So, you know, it, it's just, it, it's always so interesting to me that I guess people need to feel like they're not alone or yeah. it went well for her. Maybe it'll go good for me too. Maybe however that works. But I, I'm assuming that you've read Glenn Doyle's Untamed.
2: Oh my gosh, yes. We actually got so lucky. We got to see her and Abby's last uh, oh. tour in Nashville before they canceled it, before all the COVID stuff hit. And it was spectacular. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't say enough good things about it.
0: That whole book has just been, you know, I, I, I listen because I'm listening to it on Audible because I like to listen to her voice and it's been amazing like a gold mine it is it is yeah and, I and, and to just it so and to just hear her talk about her daughter being you know highly emotional yes. and I remember being told you're too emotional you're too th-. and to hear her talk about that and kind of normalize <laughs> it and go okay all right so I, I'm I'm not out there all by myself flying blind there's there's other people like me out there in the world
2: yeah yeah I think that spoke to Shauna too <laughs>
0: that part. <laughs>
2: always been a deep feeler (laughs) she's a cancer
0: oh okay Oh, (laughs) i can see it in how like you are with the the dogs and you know all the pets in your house and just how you you just have uh, it just comes through to me is that you just have this really beautiful heart and that you the things that matter to you get your time and your attention and i think that's really incredible shauna
1: thank you i appreciate that
0: very accurate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> moving on I'm going all to- right so, <laughs> <laughs> well here's what i'd like to know is what things have you guys noticed during this whole quarantine that were either a surprise or something you didn't expect or you know what are what are a couple of observations that you've had
2: um i mean i don't know if this was more of a surprise just as a really big push for me to slow down because I've always known in some sense that I'm a very like go 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 person but I think this time has really highlighted that and brought it to surface more than ever before I mean I am like the person that. You know, feels guilt for taking a full day off work oh or, God, if, yep. yeah, or if you know, I didn't get to film for my app that day or do anything productive to teach some teach everyone on Instagram or film a yoga flow I'm just like oh my gosh I wasted a day and so this time has really really forced me and she's always encouraging me like just like take some time off it's okay like slow down do nothing I'm very antsy it's really you're speaking
0: important. my language sister you're I'm yeah. right
2: there with you very much highlighted that for me and I'm like wow okay like I think it's going to be an ongoing life process just learning how to And that's a big reason that both of us want to, you know, eventually move out to a place in the country, just have a big plot of land and not be around all the busyness. Because I do think living where we live only kind of eggs it on in a way just to like keep keep busy, keep driven. And if you're not driven, then, you know, you're not living up to your fullest potential or you're wasting, you know, it's just that whole mindset that society like pushes at us
0: these days. Yep. Produce, world. produce, Earth, produce, produce. So well. <laughs> yeah. Say that again, Shana. they so were all in a hurry to go nowhere. <laughs> that's exactly, you know, it's like, you know what? I, I painted my toenails and I got nowhere to go and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I took a nap and that's okay too. And, you know, the thing that that hit me because I've always had tremendous stamina, you know, I work sometimes seven days a week doing something that's generating some form of income and (laughs) I'm getting there. I'm getting there. (laughs) Uh, But having my granddaughter and having to slow down to her speed Mm -hmm. as a baby. Right? I didn't always have time when my daughter was little because I was a single mother and I was trying to do the damn thing to keep us both afloat and, you know, always worried about money and always worried about healthcare and, you know, all of those things. And this time around, you know, I just get to be, I just get to be. So we move at her speed. We have our things that we do and we go to breakfast and we throw pennies in the pond and we go to the beach and we go visit the toys at Walmart and Target. And, you know, really? just <laughs> the, the things that we do together. And she's like, Momo, when can we go back and go to the, to visit the toys? And how come we can't go to breakfast? And how, you know, when can I come and do a spendover, over. And, and, you know, and it's just like I, I told her, I said, you know what, honey, the minute they tell me that I can spend time with you, I will burn rubber to get here and your parents won't see us for a week. <laughs> <laughs> and She's like, OK, I think that some of that is being oldest daughter or oldest child, but definitely oldest daughter, Yeah, but actually having to slow down as I've been dealing with some chronic health issues for the last five years. I mean, there are days when my body just says, you're at a full stop, sister. You either lay down or you're going to be out in the street and people are going to be picking you up off the ground. I just find that this is so interesting to talk to people like you, to talk to people like Catherine Budig, who has actually been really slowing down progressively with her traveling and her teaching for some yes. time. Yeah, um, And
2: for me too, like when when I first met Shauna, that was like my whole first year of dating her. My mantra was just to root like yep. ground down and root down and just like just be just stay yep. just arrive a while and <laughs> I was, for years before that I was gone almost two weeks out of every month for like yeah. a year and a half just always on the go and so it was huge for me to move into a house um like a, a place that was ours and not go anywhere, and not be traveling, and teaching, and doing, and taking photo shoots, and and worrying about all this stuff all the time. And I mean, she was a huge part of that because she's the complete opposite in that sense. You know, like, are you a nester?
1: <laughs> I'm a
2: country girl, so
1: I love quiet, peace,
2: very much a homebody, nature.
1: Where are you from originally, Shauna? So I'm from a little bit down South Kentucky. Um, My family lives on, Louisville is like the biggest city in in the state. Um, But my family lives like an hour, hour and a half outside of that. They, They actually, so my grandma lives on in a house here. Then it goes to a gravel road to my great grandmother's house and then a gravel road to my aunt and uncle's house. Um, they've had that like Uh, my entire childhood. We're very country.
0: I mean, Um, that's how, that's how I grew up too. (laughs) You know, aunts and uncles, cousins all on the same street. Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) And I'm not a busy person. I like to get things done. Like when I'm working, I'm working and I don't struggle to work. I've always worked. I've always, honestly, outside of being in school, I've always had two jobs. So I've always been kind of forced to, to be out there working a lot, but I'm not a phone person I'm not a uh, go out, media I'm not person. a social media person. I'm not like a, uh, I don't drink, I don't go out. Most people would say I'm boring, but I'm not
0: boring. I, I, I just mean, have fun
2: different ways. I, when we, uh, I, I don't
0: think you're boring, but I, I just think that you, you live your life in a way that's different.
2: When we first met, it was hilarious because most of like the people that were in my circle, I had either met through Instagram or they had come taken one of my yoga classes because of Instagram. That was and my then, favorite story. And then, like, we <laughs> meet. We, like, the first time we ever met was at a shaved ice stand in Louisville with a bunch of mutual friends, and she was right. in that group that day, and, like, neither of us had ever met, and...
1: I and kept I- my shades on, because I kept checking her out, and it was bad. <laughs> was like, I gotta go.
2: <laughs> this girl was beautiful. <laughs> oh, my
1: God.
2: <laughs> I had sunglasses on the
0: whole time. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love hearing that. Oh, <laughs> we She's embarrassed. Look at her. Her cheeks are pink. <laughs> That oh, <laughs> actually like makes
2: me like sound so terrible. But when when we met and Hillary, our friend, introduced her to me, I was like, Oh, so like you don't follow my Instagram? <laughs> and she's trying to what?
1: Just, rewind. <laughs> okay. So we were standing out for roller coasters, like we were just with all our girlfriends. It was just right. our big group of of, you know, a squad of lesbians, basically, and then more. <laughs> so we were we were at Pride, right? Was that the night? No. No, no, no. Yeah, it was, yeah pride. it was Pride. It, it was Pride night. at King's Island. Pride at King's Island. She had come with us just because, you know, we were having a good time going to an amusement park. She was like, heck yeah, I'm in. So we were standing in line, and I was like, I didn't know her at that point. I just had met her, and I knew she was drop-dead gorgeous, but that was about it. And lovely legs. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, so I was like, uh, what? somebody mentioned something about yoga, something about her and yoga. And I was like, oh, you do yoga? And, and Morgan, I'm sure you were like, what do you mean, I I do yoga. Her perplexed look on her face was priceless. And I was so confused why she was looking at me like I was crazy. And I was like, i was waiting for an answer. She was like, I'm world famous, okay? She literally paused. She was like, Oh. And I saw this, like, click, and she was like, you don't follow me on Instagram? And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't
0: follow you on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and I still make oh for that, still so to this day, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that is a great story. I love that story. (laughs) So I know you guys at one point in time were talking about maybe moving out west somewhere.
2: Oh my gosh, we talk about moving all the time, and to this very second, we still have no idea where we want to end up. It's so hard for us because, like, we want it change. It changes seasonally (laughs) too. In the summer here in Louisville, when it's warm out and we're loving life, we're like, oh yeah. We could totally move somewhere with all four seasons, and then like the dead of winter, we're like, we need to move to the beach.
0: <laughs> so it's too- okay. So, so here's the deal: I live on a little tiny island, a 35 minute ferry ride out of downtown Seattle. It's pretty oh, rural. Wow. I live sandwiched between the Olympics and the Cascade Mountains. You guys have an open invitation. You come and visit. I will show you some most beautiful, beautiful spaces here, wow. and you you will fall in love. It, it is wow. it is truly gorgeous here. We
2: were looking and, at from the PNW just because it's so beautiful. Our only our only thing is. When you've lived in Louisville, it's
0: expensive.
2: The cost of living—I kid you not—the cost of living here is so beautiful. And then you look at other places, and we're just like, "Oh my god!" I think Kentucky is—I
1: think amongst the like top five for lowest housing
0: cost of living. Yeah,
1: the cost of living here is. I mean, lovely.
0: Can't be it. <laughs> lovely. Well, and the island that I live on is, it's horribly expensive to live here. There's, <laughs> there's a lot less diversity than there used to be. I live in a little tiny apartment that I moved into 10 years ago when the crash hit, right? Yes. And I moved in and they were apologize. I mean, it was built in the 60s. It's funky, but I have a view of the water off my back deck that makes it look like I'm in a treehouse. I'm a five-minute walk from the beach and the ferry. I'm a five-minute walk from the gym where I work now. I walk the grocery store, the bank, all of that. And the rent that I pay is ridiculously cheap, and it's really unheard of here. But there are places here that are not in this mainstream where you can move out a ways that are much more affordable. And, I mean, there are so many beautiful, beautiful places to live. Like Port Townsend has, like, farm areas. and. It's a little bit more expensive, yeah. but, um, it's, but, and, and, you know, and the, the, there are some people here who can't handle the gray and the rain in the winter time. I, you know, as I get older, it gets a little, every once in a while I go, you know, maybe I need to live in Hawaii or every time. And I have traveled throughout my life every time I go somewhere else. And this was my, my ex-husband, who said to me, we were somewhere, in France, maybe, I don't know. And we were like, yeah, we're getting ready to go home. And he goes, you know, he says, we live in this gorgeous place. It's not like we're going home to Passaic, New Jersey, or <laughs> wherever it was said, And I'm like, you know, that's true. And one of the things about living here is that no matter where I go, it doesn't seem expensive to travel, because it's pretty much <laughs> what, you know, what here. Oh, it's one of the most interest I mean I spent well I've lived in Washington now longer than I lived in Oregon but I've always lived in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. and there's just a very different I don't I don't know how to how to put it but there are places that you can go where there aren't very many people and it's absolutely stunningly gorgeous to be and live and people live leave you alone and you do your own thing and that's incredibly appealing yeah um, and uh, there are times I think about doing that but now I, I can't leave that grandbaby and I can't leave my oh, kids so yeah. I'm gonna hang out where I'm at but every once in a while I think hmm
2: yeah get the edge <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know where I'd go. Sometimes I think about living in Italy, because Italy blew my mind. And I absolutely loved Tuscany and the people and the food and the pace of life. I find the pace of life in Europe, so much more gracious
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And even in Paris of course it's been many years since I've been to Paris but it just seemed like you know you go to the local green grocer and you go to the bakery to get your baked goods and yeah. it's just a very different life and yes. I just found that it was filled with grace and I really liked that um, yeah. but anyway if you guys want to come out and visit you let me know and oh, we'll we'll do some some because there is stuff that will take your breath away Locations. Now, have you ever been to Oregon?
2: No. Yes.
0: I mean, the Oregon coast is like
2: I know so many people that live out there. Movies.
0: It looks like the movies. Every time (laughs) I see, and, and I grew up my whole entire life. That's we didn't have any money to go on vacation, so we camped on the Oregon coast every summer. So, and it's still relatively cheap to live on the coast, but you have to pretty be self-sufficient. There's not a lot of job opportunities there. I mean, that coastline is, and, and Hawaii, Hawaii is gorgeous and lovely and beautiful. And I love it. I get off that airplane and that Hawaiian air hits me and my whole body goes, I'm home. Yeah. But I go to the Oregon coast and there's something about the waves there's something about the wildness of the whole coastline that just is the, it's, it's like Valium times 100. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's the place I've always gone when I have been unsettled, unhappy searching i go and spend time on that oregon coast and it doesn't matter where you go anywhere on that coastline it's all beautiful and it's there's just something that is so recharging and rebuilding and incredible about that space and i've always thought about moving somewhere and opening like a regional coastal yoga center oh that's and Coffee shop. <laughs> well, so I'll open the yoga center, and you can open the coffee shop. Coffee and tea. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: well, I, I want would... farm animals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Shauna, I know that you're working on your degree, and it's in—is it in law? So, I actually just
1: finished. Just finished. Oh, um,
0: congratulations! Yeah, it's in criminal justice. Criminal justice. Okay. And do you you know what you want to do with that? Reform the criminal justice system. (laughs)
1: I I like that. I like that. Uh, It's crazy. People go in, you know, wanting to be a part of the system, wanting to be a part of uh, the criminal justice department. They come out wanting the opposite. Uh, You kind of end up learning
0: what's wrong with the system instead of
1: to work in it? Boy, I, yeah, go ahead,
0: go ahead. My daughter is a clinical psychologist. She, when she graduated with her master's, she went to work in public mental health in Seattle, helping people coming out of the criminal justice system. Most of them mentally ill um, get services, so help them with medication, help them find somewhere to live, help them to try and function in society. Right. She was one of the only therapists that went to mental health court and met the judges, met the parole officers. At one point in time, they called her a monster whisperer because there was this guy who was in such bad shape. They had him locked up and she said, you can't go in and talk to the judge if this is the way you're going to behave. You're going to end up staying behind bars. And she got him calmed down enough to get him there. She went from there to working in the King County Jail. Now, she decided that maybe she could get in there earlier and work with these people before they came out. She's been in every mental health facility in the state of Washington that's been frightening beyond words. The nurse that she worked with in the mental health facility before she went to King County Jail worked in the King County Jail, and she was the nurse that whistleblowed to the FBI and said, you need to get in here and see what's happening in this jail. Mm Wow. And jail is you're not supposed to be there long term. My daughter said it was filled with people who had been there too long.
1: Yeah, your average stay is about 18 months.
0: 80, fully 80 80 to 85% of the population is all mentally ill in some shape or form. I was going to say,
1: it sounds like your daughter is actively fighting the recidivism rate,
0: which is great. Well, and she said, you know what happens is they get a ticket for something. They can't afford to pay the ticket. And they go to jail, they lose their car, they lose their job, they lose their housing. And she said, that's wrong. And I watched my daughter over three years go from this vibrant, intelligent, sassy girl to a shell of herself. And the end was, if I have to go and be a barista, that's what I'm going to do. I can't do this anymore. She thought she could change the system from the inside out. And she said, mama, it's not possible. She came out from that and went to a local place here that is a private mental health facility. And at... I want to say 28, 29, she built out their drug court program to work with the local drug court to be able to try and work to keep people with drug addictions from going to jail. Right. And keep them engaged in the system. They had certain benchmarks they had to make. She was responsible for talking to the judge about, you know, what what the recommendations were, etc. And she came. To, it is, and it, she came so highly recommended from the judges and the attorneys and everything from the city of Seattle, from King County. That you know, at twenty, I said, honey, I hope you realize that not every twenty-eight year old gets the opportunity to do what you're doing. How unusual this is, and how wonderful it is. It, it's, it's, I applaud. Her. She's known since she was in high school that she wanted to do something in mental health. And she's on the front lines dealing with all of this every day because she believes it's important absolutely and, um, yeah. i'm just so glad she's no longer working in the jail because like you said you go in thinking that you can change the system and you come out knowing that there's well, it's so entrenched
1: it's it's unfortunate but it's also a learning experience because yeah. you understand that attacking the system at that point you're kind of a little late in my That's opinion exactly. yep yeah. In my opinion, you need to more so address the roots of the issues that cause that path to end there. I think it's not, it's not about just people. It's not about just mental health. It's not about, it's about our system from the beginning. And I more so want to focus on the educational part of our system that is failing greatly. I mean, we might as well just recruit kids straight out of kindergarten and put them straight into prison. That's honestly what's happening. And we're failing miserably at addressing those issues. And I think we have a lot of people willing to help after the fact, but that's a bandaid. And I think well, by
0: then it's, it's kind of too late, like you said. And I, I
1: don't think those people don't deserve help. I absolutely do. I think yes, that people who want to help those people, please keep helping those people. But we need more people attacking at an earlier stage. We need more people attacking the policies um, and the laws and the things that stem from that, the curriculums, all of those things, the lack of funding for schools in urban areas. There's so many issues that we need to be attacking as at, at the same time as we're helping people that are getting out because that helps the recidivism rate. If you keep yep. these people from getting back into the system and hopefully they can get back on their feet and start a, a, a life free of the criminal justice system, then you're absolutely helping. But I think we also need to put... A gigantic stop to the influx of people coming into the system on a regular basis, and calling to attention who those people may, mostly are. Yep. Uh, they're victims, and
0: unfortunate
1: yeah. that our system has then turned them into predators. Predators and slapped some names on them that think society's okay with our our prison rate. And yeah. anybody with free thought and logic can look at our our prison system as compared to the rest of the world and see that we have a major problem. Um, yes, we do. I'm going to hop off the soapbox, but yes. I
0: think- <laughs> hey, you're, 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 you're speaking to the choir here. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and the whole thing around the war on drugs and and growing up in the 70s like I did in a college town when I was in high school and then oh, you think about wow. <laughs> you, you, and you think about the pharmaceutical industry and what happens there and the fact if you look at the opioid ad- epidemic they knew those drugs were addictive and they still sold them.
1: absolutely I've, I've lost more people than I can count on my hands because of and, that.
0: And, and when you do that, and when you arrest, and you know, and my thing, we talked about back in the 70s about, wouldn't it be cool if weed was legalized and you could walk into a store and I'll have some Sensimia and some Buddha tie stick and give me <laughs> some of that, and you paid for it, you paid taxes for it, and you we can see what's happened in the state of Washington, how much money has been generated from the state. And how many people are using it for things? I mean, I use it for pain relief. I use it for sleep. When I have a huge histamine flood and hives happening, that's the only way I can keep from wanting to peel my skin off of my body. Mm -hmm. So, and, And I don't want the pharmaceutical industry is pissed off because they're not making any money. So they want to create something synthetic so that they can say, you get rid of the growers and let's do this. No, I don't want your synthetic stuff. I want the real shit that people grow. <laughs> Thank you How do you think doctors
1: stay in business? They have to have sick people. They have to have sick people. Well, and, and
0: you see that the pharmaceutical industry is now tied up in the education system of doctors, right? Yep. How I ended up in the place that I am is because I had a doctor that prescribed me a medication who chose to ignore me when I had side effects. And wow. so as a direct result of his negligence for the last five plus years, I've been dealing with chronic health issues and then compiled with other doctors giving me more pharmaceuticals that destroyed my kidney health, my liver health, all of this stuff. And the only reason I'm still here is because I took control of it and said, if you can't get on the same page with me, then you don't get to be on my team because I'm paying you to help me and you're not doing me any good. Yeah. Well, no, so that
1: allow them to prescribe
0: other medicines other. for those side effects. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's- Yes, oh no, so much yes. All right. I could agree more with all that you were saying. I mean, there's just so many things I guess my observation about all of this quarantine is the patriarchal fear system and that the government will take care of you. All of that has been proven to people who don't want to pay attention that that shit doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That we have to take care of each other. We have to be responsible for ourselves and take care of our neighbors. And my mother talks about the fact that during the Depression, the only reason that certain families made it through is because they all took care of each other. They all lived on farms. They lived off of what they had on their property. They traded for what they didn't have, and they took care of each other. The government isn't going to save us. No want them to. No. <laughs> I don't want them to legisla- legislate my vagina price. and I don't want them to legislate my yeah. vaccination. That comes at a price. <laughs> yes, it does. And so I look at stuff like this and I think a part of what's gone on, the observation that I have is that people are, one, slowing down, two, meaning that they can start having some thoughts about something other than All the balls I got to keep in the air every day to Mm -hmm. keep my life and start thinking creatively and looking at things a little deeper going, you know, that doesn't really resonate. I'd like to know more about that. Or just geez, this, there you go. So I, I just think that there's so many things that that are wrong in the system that it can be overwhelming. And you're just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just this big blob that's just like quivering because I don't even know where to start. But I think that if people have conversations like we're having, if people come together and they may not all believe the same they may not all have the same backgrounds, but they can have a conversation and find a common ground to work together for the greater good. And that I think that starts in your community and it grows outward from there. So it starts in where you live, and then it gets bigger.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I th- this whole thing is just it's uh, it's been such an interesting little petri dish to watch. <laughs> <really like> <laughs> we haven't watched too much i don't either watching. yeah I, I don't watch any news i don't have regular tv i don't i don't do any of that panachea, i just the, the normal facebook feuding but outside of that that's about it i can't stand to watch listen or even think about that man that lives in the white house <laughs> and and his henchmen of idiots and you know and i have a degree of political science <laughs> <laughs> And I walked out with my degree in political science going, I am the most pessimistic person about the political process as a result of everything I've learned.
1: That's, yeah, that's what college does. Whatever
0: you're interested in, it it turns you against it. (laughs) And and I love history. I mean, I'm a huge history nut. My favorite time period in history is the Renaissance. You know, there was artists, there were things they were learning about the human body. There was incredible, they were getting away from, you know, dogma in religion and the church controlling everything. And I look at that and go, now that's a great period in time. There was shitty stuff that happened, but a great time period. My crystal ball is not working and neither is my wand for me to be able to see what's going to happen throughout all of this. But I truly hope that we start moving in a direction that's more from love than from fear and more about we need to care for each other. And that's everybody. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what religion you are. Doesn't matter who you love, who you live with any of that, that we all have to take care of each other, because as a human race, we're not going to survive if we don't. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you both. I could sit here and talk to you guys all day. This has been so great. I was so excited to get your email back, Morgan, and to oh. be able to, to have you guys say yes is is incredible. I'm just so thankful that you both said yes and have been so fantastic throughout this whole process. This us. was our first podcasting. I know. I love it. Okay. <laughs> well, I- I love <laughs> I hope that you felt it was a good experience and that you got to share portions of yourself that, that you feel that's important for people to know, because I think both of your stories are incredible and that there are people out there who need to hear what you both have to say. So Aww. I applaud you for saying yes and stepping maybe outside of your comfort zone to be here <laughs> with me today. And uh, I'm just so thankful that you're here.
2: Aww. Well, thank, thank you, for you so us. much. Yes, it was so lovely. <laughs>